0: Thank God for the fourth year. That should be our response after listening to today's Gospel reading from Luke chapter 13. Thank God for the fourth year. Jesus tells us a parable here about a man who planted a fig tree in his orchard, a fig tree that did not produce any figs for three years. Now, if I had the opportunity to talk to this particular orchard owner today, I would say to him, You, sir, are a patient man. You are a very patient man. Far more patient than I am. After my father died, I took care of the landscaping on our property in Barrington, and I know that if I had ever planted something that was supposed to bear fruit every year but didn't, it would have been gone. After one year, no questions asked, no doubt about it. But the orchard owner in this parable went one step further. He not only gave the three years, he actually listened to the words of his gardener and agreed to give the tree another year, a fourth year to bear fruit. And not only that, he even agreed to let the gardener cultivate the ground and fertilize the tree to give it the best chance it could possibly have to finally become fruitful. To me, this parable is a clear indicator of the importance of praying and doing penance for the conversion of those in mortal sin, those who are squandering God's gifts and in danger of losing their souls. The owner of the orchard here represents the Lord, the barren fig tree represents the sinner, that's clear enough. As for the gardener, he's very important. To me, he represents all those who are currently praying and offering sacrifices for the sinner in his conversion. Notice that the orchard owner gave the fourth year, the bonus year, to the fig tree, specifically because of the pleas of the gardener. It was his intercession that was key in the process. And because of what he did, the tree received special graces that it would not otherwise have received, specifically the ground around it, but cultivated and fertilized. So never stop being the gardener. Never stop being the gardener for those who are estranged from God and the Church, especially those in your own families. As long as they're in their fourth year, in other words as long as they're alive and breathing, there's hope. There's hope for their repentance, there's hope for their conversion. Of course, their fourth year is not going to go on forever. It didn't go on indefinitely for the barren fig tree, and it will not go on forever for any one of us. Which is why Jesus preceded this parable by mentioning the sudden and tragic deaths of two groups of people. First of all, a group of Galileans whom Pontius Pilate murdered, and secondly, a group of 18 people who died when a tower fell on them at Siloam. Notice that Jesus said the same thing after mentioning each of these events. But I tell you, if you will not repent, you will all perish as they did. He meant that, of course, in the spiritual sense. He was alluding there to hell. So the moral here is really simple and clear and straightforward. Do not delay repentance. Do not delay repentance. There's serious sin in your life, and you know it, deep down inside, deal with it. Go to confession and deal with it. Confess it, be absolved of it, be freed from the guilt of it. You'll be happy. And you'll make the priest stay. Isn't that nice to know? We priests love to catch big fish. That's what St. John Vianney, the curie of ours, used to call big sinners who came to him for confession, and lots of them did. We love that. We rejoice in that. Let me end my homily this morning by mentioning a movie that's being released this coming week. I strongly urge you to see this film. It's called Unplanned. It's based on the best-selling book of the same title, which some of you have probably read. For those who might not have read it, Unplanned is the autobiographical story of a woman named Abby Johnson, who was once the director of the Planned Parenthood Clinic in Bryan, Texas. Abby Johnson wanted to help women in crisis situations, so she volunteered for Planned Parenthood back in 2001, while she was still in college at Texas A&M University. She started off as an escort, a volunteer escort, Escorts at abortion clinics are the people who take the women from their cars into the building, while at the same time trying to keep them from listening to the pro-life volunteers outside the gate, or appealing to the woman not to kill her baby. Abby, who ended up having two abortions herself, believed the lie, the big lie that's out there that says that Planned Parenthood really wants to reduce the number of abortions by preventing unwanted pregnancies. That's bunk she believed it. So when she graduated from college, she got more deeply involved in the organization, thinking that it was a way to show compassion and love for women and to reduce the number of abortions. Her intentions, at least to some extent, were good. Well, she rose through the ranks rather quickly and eventually became the clinic's director. Of course, there were some things that bothered her, like the pressure she was receiving from her superiors to do more abortions and more late-term abortions, you see that brings in bigger bucks. The bigger the baby you kill, the more money you make. But what finally opened Abby Johnson's eyes to the truth of what she was involved in occurred in late September of 2009. On the day that she was asked to hold the ultrasound probe on an abdomen of a woman who was having an abortion. She had never done anything like that before. They were short-staffed that particular day, and the doctor needed her help. So the first time, through the miracle of ultrasound, she was able to see what really happens to a baby in the womb during an abortion procedure. Needless to say, it wasn't pretty. Actually, it was horrific. So much so that when it was over, Abby dropped the probe because she was so upset. She then ran out of the clinic in hysterics. And where did she go? Where did she go in her anguish and in her distress? Believe it or not, she went to her enemies. She went to the nearby office of the Coalition for Life, to the people in that organization who had been opposing her for years, the people who had been protesting and praying in front of her clinic. Now, you might say, why did she go to them, of all people? Why did she seek out these men and women who had been her enemies for so long? It's because they had been nice to her. They'd been respectful to her, in spite of the fact that they detested what she was doing. And it's because they prayed for her. To put it in the terms of this homily, it's because they had been faithful and persistent Gardeners for the barren fig tree of Abby Johnson's life from the time that she had been an escort at the clinic. And so, when the full reality of what abortion really is hit her square in the face, Abby Johnson trusted that the people at the Coalition for Life would take care of her and give her the support and the guidance and the love that she needed. And she was right, they did. They helped her find forgiveness and healing and the truth, which ultimately led her to enter the Catholic Church in 2012 along with her husband. Now, ten years later, Abby Johnson is one of the strongest and most persuasive voices in the pro-life movement. She's as powerful as she is because she knows the dirty business of abortion. She knows it from the inside out. She's been a victim of its many lies. And now she's determined, with all her heart and soul, to expose those lies to the world. This new movie is part of that effort. See it. And challenge your pro-choice friends to see it as well. Through the prayers and through the good works of the men and women at the Coalition for Life, God gave Abby Johnson a fourth year. A fourth year to bear fruit. And thanks be to God, she's made the most of it. May all of us do the very same thing, if ever we need to.